Oh, man, it must have been around 1988, I think, 89, 87, I don't know. And I was at my cousin's house, and they had the coolest stuff at their house. I mean, they had the coolest. They had a pool. It was an above-ground pool, so like on the scale of pools, like it's like on the low end, but it's like I didn't have a pool. Four-foot above-ground pool, and it had one of those sweet decks that was built, all the chairs. They even had like a little changing room that was full of cool toys, pool toys. Man, it was cool. I loved going to my cousin's house and swimming in the pool. They had a clubhouse that their dad had built. I think it was like kind of in a, like sort of in a tree. You got to climb up a little ladder to get to it. It was awesome. They had go-karts. What happened to go-karts? Like in the 80s, everyone had go-karts. Everyone had go-karts except my family. We didn't have a go-kart. But they had go-karts. I loved going and riding my cousin's go-karts. It was awesome. My cousins had so much cool stuff. But the, the thing that really took the cake was, I remember, I'll never forget, walking into my cousin's room this one particular summer. And there was something that blew my mind. It was a stack of Nintendo Entertainment System video game cartridges taller than I had ever seen in my life. So big that their dad had to make them a custom shelf for it, okay? A lot of video games. I'd never, this is more games than they had at my local KB toy store. You guys remember KB toy stores? I hear they're making a comeback. Good for you, KB. Um, but they, I mean, they had it all, man. So I, I was remembering some. He had the gold Legends of Zelda. Does anyone remember that one? I think it was plated in real 14-karat gold. At least that's what my, my little boy self believed. It was awesome. He also had the sequel, Zelda 2, The Adventures of Zelda. Not only was he a legend, but he was going on some adventures. He had Contra and Contra 2. He had Mega Man, Tecmo Bowl, Double Dragon, like all these awesome games and a lot that I didn't even remember as I thought through it this week and like, I want those video games. I remember standing in his room being like, that's not fair. I, I had one game, one cartridge. It was two games. You know what I'm talking about. Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. Yes, they came with the Nintendo and it was awesome until I saw my cousin's collection. And then what I had just wasn't good enough anymore. Uh, I was trying to think back, when was the first time in my life when I remember being truly jealous? That was it. It, it, was, it was, I was standing there, it was 1988, with my mullet and my stonewashed jeans and my members only jacket. I'm not making that up. And I was like deflated because man, like I was glad that he had this cool stuff. But why can't I have that cool stuff? I want those cool things. I want the pool. I want the go-kart. I want the clubhouse. I want the stack of video games. When did it first bite you? The jealousy bug. Like, where were you? How old were you? It hits us pretty young. And we're pretty young when we realize what we don't have, aren't we? And it hangs on. It hangs on for a long time, and it, and it will not let go. Uh, you know, in many cases, jealousy happens quickly, and it's fairly harmless. It's when your neighbor gets the new car, and you're like, this is something we say, dude, I'm so jealous. We're not really jealous. We're just like, well, it's just kind of like saying, it's cool. You got a new car. I wish I had a new car, but then you move on. Like, it's, a, it's quick. But then there's other times where it really settles in. Uncontrolled jealousy has led to crazy stuff, hasn't it? Uh, a lot of uncontrolled jealousy leads to really bad relationship problems. Have you ever had a jealous boyfriend, jealous girlfriend? Ugh. Forget about that. Like, you just need to move on. Like, it's just, it's complicated. Uh, sometimes jealous people uh, do really bad things like commit crimes. Countless people have been murdered because of a jealous person losing their mind. So you look at jealousy and you think, oh, cute video games. And then you fast forward it when it gets full grown, full blown, you got a problem. Most of us probably wouldn't uh, commit a premeditated first-degree felony, 
because of jealousy, but to what lengths are you willing to go? There's a good chance that there's some unchecked jealousy in a lot of our hearts. And I'm going to warn us today that if gone unchecked and untreated, it will create a void, a problem in our heart. We've been talking about these enemies of the heart for the last month. We've dealt with uh, guilt, anger, and greed. And each one of these things get into our heart and they plant themselves and they root themselves. And here's a problem. They get in our heart, they lock us up. And God asks us for one thing. I want your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. But we can't give him all because some of these enemies of the heart have gotten in there and they've clogged us up. We've learned that these uh, enemies of the heart, they come with a debt-to-debtor relationship. Do you remember these? And so the first week was guilt. We learned that guilt says, I owe you. I did something wrong. I owe you. I owe you an apology. I owe you. I'm sorry. Guilt. It's an enemy of our heart. We learned that anger says, you owe me. Life's not the way that I want it. You owe me something. Pay me back. Last week, we talked about greed. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? We talked about greed. Greed says, I owe me. I deserve this. I owe me. I need more. I want more. Today, we're talking about jealousy. Jealousy. Uh, When we think about jealousy, we think of things that we lack that other people have. That's like boiled down jealousy. I wish I had this. I don't have it. When we think about jealousy, uh, ladies, you got that friend? Maybe it's your sister, your sister-in-law. She fits in that size three jeans. And you're like, good for you. This look great. And you're happy for her. You're happy for her. Why can't I fit in this size three jeans? I used to wear those in the seventh grade. You know what I mean? And like it starts to take root in us and it starts to affect us. Fellas, dude, I watched a movie this week. Have you seen Jumanji? <laughs> oh, man, it's a funny movie. Okay, but Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in that movie. Come on. Some of you ladies are jealous also. That dude is jacked. Like, he's got biceps bigger than my leg seps. Like, both of my leg seps put together. Is this one dude's, this one arm? Like, it's Matt. And I look, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm happy for him. And I've read about his diet plan and, and, and how he works out. And he does way more work than I'm interested in doing. But if I could have, like, one-tenth, just one-twentieth of his muscle mass, I'd be good. <laughs> I'd be fine. Why can't I? Why can't I, right? And, th- and so there's all kinds of things that just get us going and make us a little bit jealous. It's jealousy. And jealousy gets wedged deep into our hearts, and we may never even know it. It's easy for us to assume that my problem is with someone else. Like, I went, no, you got that stuff. Why can't I have it? And so, but when we get right down to it, if we're honest with ourselves and we strip back the layers, we realize that our problem is not, my problem's not with the rock. What's he done to me? He worked really hard, right? Your problem's not with your sister-in-law and her tiny little waist. Like, it's, it's not her problem. Our problem's somewhere in here, isn't it? And it's simple. It's this. Life isn't fair. Isn't that the refrain? Life is not fair. And maybe even this. You know what? God, you should make life fair. I mean, after all, I mean, you gave them that. You obviously have the ability to give some people that. What about me? Why can't you give me that? Why don't I have that? And so jealousy, just like the others, has a debt-to-debtor relationship. And whether we want to admit it or not, I think the more that I think about it, the more I think it's true. This is the debt-to-debtor relationship with, with jealousy. Jealousy says, God owes me. 
I mean, who else do we want to fix our problems? Do I want my cousin to give me his go-kart? Not anymore, it's all rusty. <laughs> but seriously, like, what, who do we have beef with? If not the maker, not the creator. Now, for some of us, uh, I hit the nail right on the head. You're like, exactly, that's how I go to sleep every single night. I'm like, God, why not me? Right? And so that's, that's sometimes some of us will actually articulate it that way. I'm angry at God because other people, because life's not fair. But I'm not sure that all of us would articulate it that way. Um, you know, it seems a bit harsh to be blaming God for all my, my unhappiness. That seems a little bit harsh. I don't want my cousin to give me his go-kart. Like that's not, and so we wouldn't articulate it that way. But we've got these phrases that we use all the time that I think builds into our psyche that we, we do believe this. We say like, well, that's how the cookie crumbles, you know, or uh, these are the cards that were dealt to me, right? But who do we believe is baking the cookies? Who do we believe is dealing the cards? When we get right down to it, we realize life is not fair. And maybe it's not fair because God could make it fair, but he didn't. Jealousy says God owes me. And it can become an enemy to our heart, especially when we start having a grudge against God. And I think many of us would say, I, I, I wouldn't exactly associate my jealousy or these unresolved unfairnesses in my mind. I, I wouldn't say that I have a grudge against God. In fact, uh, if you're a Jesus person today, if you're a Christian, you would say, well, no, no, God doesn't owe me anything. I, I would say, like on the outside, at least on the surface, I would say, I owe God. I mean, he's given me everything. He even gave himself up for us. He came as a human. He gave his life and his blood and his and his spirit to me. He's given me the opportunity to live again. But like you dig down deeper. And where is the enemy now? Jealousy says God owes me. Jealousy makes us do some pretty twisted things as a result. Because it gets in there and it makes us pretty easy, evil in our, in, our, in our minds. Check this out. We do, some, we do this really sick thing with jealousy without even realizing it. We find joy in other people's pain. Jealousy causes that. I'm serious. Andy Stanley is a Christian author and a pastor. He wrote a book called Enemies of the Heart. It's the one that inspired, inspired this teaching series. And this is what he says about it. He says, now none of us like to admit it, but there's something satisfying about watching someone else that you envy lose something that you wish you had. We may hate whatever it is within us that secretly rejoices in the loss of another, but it's there. I'm a big football fan. Most of you know I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Woo! Man, Thursday was a good day. Uh, it was. I don't, but I'm not talking about Thursday. I want to talk about last Sunday because something happened, and I, I, I want to I show some love to my friends, the Redskins fans. Uh, last Sunday, something, something bad happened with the Redskins. You might have seen it on the news or on Sports Center or something. Uh, their quarterback, Alex Smith, went down with a broken leg. And like, it was bad. It was like, I've seen the replay and I can't unsee it. It was, it was one of those, I'm not going to describe it to you. It was bad. But something sick happened among football nation, particularly among people in the NFC East and Cowboys fans. There were people who were like, yes, Alex Smith broke his leg. Have you ever been in a sporting event where someone in the stands yelled, break his leg? I have. That's a scary place to be. Meanwhile, okay, yes, yes, playoff hopes were riding on whether, by the way, the Cowboys and the Redskins, actually no one in the NFC East, even if we make it to the playoffs, none of us are going to be in the Super Bowl, okay? Can we just submit that together? You only got to the playoffs because everyone else was worse. That's the only reason, okay? But uh, it could still happen. This is our year. But, <laughs> but even in the rejoicing over that, Alex Smith was laid up in a hospital somewhere, 
in a lot of pain. He was tough on the field, but I'm gonna tell you, at least the next day, or as he's talking to the orthopedic surgeon and there was pulling and yanking and drilling going on, this guy's wondering like, am I gonna walk normal ever again? Or is my career over? Granted, this is just sports, okay? And those people make millions of dollars to go out and break their legs every day. So you only feel so sorry for them. I'm sorry that it hurt, but that's what we signed up for. But isn't this exactly what our hearts do in jealousy? Someone else goes down and we're excited about it. Your ex from college, the one who ruined your sophomore year, she posted something about an ugly breakup and you're like, <laughs> about time, right? Oh, how's it feel now, Judy? Oh, man. Man. Right? And we just sit. Judy's crying her eyes out at home and we're happy about it. You're sick. <laughs> but that's what we do. That's what we do. And your sister-in-law, who used to wear the size three, she's at Thanksgiving like, oh, man, it's Black Friday. I'm going to have to get some new jeans. And you're like, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, there's a Goodwill up the road. You can donate to. They might have some sixes. <laughs> right? And we've, <sighs> like, we don't really do that, do we? Yeah, we do. We're bad people. That's, I wanted to really illustrate how easy it is for us to take this little seed of jealousy. Maybe you haven't killed anybody, but how's your heart? And that's why it's an enemy of the heart. And that's why it's got to be pulled out like a weed. These little feelings of satisfaction come from somewhere. And, and on the surface, we say, yeah, this comes from the devil. And I guess kind of maybe it does, but I, it's not where it comes from. I'm going to tell you where it comes from. It comes from your heart. It comes directly from our own hearts. We did that just out of our own self. We did that. And as long as jealousy has a place and rages unchecked in our hearts, no relationship that you have will be safe. Because there will always be someone richer, someone skinnier, someone more muscular, someone more talented, someone better looking, someone better connected, someone with a better hairline, someone with a better car, someone luckier, and as jealousy runs rampant in our hearts, no relationship we have will be safe, including our relationship with God. Because jealousy says, God, you owe me. Why don't I have that? Jealousy in our heart makes it impossible to follow Jesus the Jesus way because you know what one of Jesus' biggest tenets of life are? Love one another. Love even your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Let's jump into our Bibles today. If you've got a Bible, turn over to the New Testament book of James. It's near the end of your New Testament, end of your English Bibles. We're going to be in James chapter 4, uh, and it's written by a guy named James. Uh, James was the half-brother of Jesus. James is a hero of mine. Uh, James, the story of James is one that has led many skeptics be to become believers. James was a relative of Jesus, a close relative of Jesus, his half-brother, uh, but Grew up, I mean, what if your brother like one day was like, hey, guys, I'm the Messiah. You're like, hey, I know a place with padded walls. Let's send you there. And so this is James and his brother, but then he starts doing these miracles. He raises from the dead. And James is like, I'm all in. This is why I love James' story. And he's a hero of mine. He goes from being a complete skeptic to being 
a leader in the early church. He was the first pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. He writes this book. Uh, the book of James is often called, called uh, wisdom literature, like in terms of genre. That's the type of book James is. Some people also think the book of James might just be a collection of his teachings kind of compiled into a, a one sermon, you know, so we can read it and have it all at one place. Um, but he's just dropping wisdom bombs one after the other. So this, the book of James, I highly recommend reading the book of James often, if not once a year regularly. If you've never read from cover to cover through the book of James, you should do that this week. Uh, it's a great book. There are n- numerous verses worth memorizing in the book of James. It's all wisdom. It's really good. We're going to be in chapter four. And James starts out with a really good, intriguing question. Just the first half of chapter four, verse one. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? I ask this question to my kids all the time. <laughs> What's wrong with you? But he says, what causes fights and quarrels among us? This is a loaded question because in our culture, we would say, which fight? Which quarrel? Was this the one at Thanksgiving? Was this the one at home last night? Was this the one at work? Was this the one I'm starting on Facebook right now? Which, which fight? Which quarrel? This is such a huge part of who we are. We are a quarrelsome bunch. And so he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Keep on reading it. It says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Right here, James is, is showing us something. And it's something that shows up a few times in his teachings. He shows us this. Remember I said where the hateful feelings of jealousy come from? Could come from the devil. Where does it really come from? From my heart. And that's a, that's a theme that you see several different times in the book of James. He says our external conflicts are caused by something that's happening internally with us. Something that boils over and makes its way to the outside. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Check this out. When we find ourselves in an argument with someone else, it's because of something that's going on inside of us. Even if they did something to irritate us, there's always another way. Again, something that I say to my kids all the time. (laughs) There's always another way. But when it leads to that fight, that quarrel, that confrontation, it's also because there's something unresolved going on when, inside of us. Um, let me give us an image to work with. Have you ever filled up a beautiful, big, tall glass of sweet tea all the way to the rim? A sweet tea is not your thing. You Beverage of choice, okay? It's so full, like it's got ice in it, but the icebergs are actually poking above the actual rim of the container, and you've still got to walk from the kitchen to the couch. And so you see your problem. There's the sloshing, <laughs> And so you go to walk and, and just advice, you don't watch the beverage. It never works. I recommend just focus on balance. And it starts to lip, you know, slosh up, slosh up, slosh up, slosh up until eventually the momentum takes over. And what? It's all over the carpet and I've got to explain it to my wife. Like that's, that's, what's, that's what's happened, okay? That's a visual that I want to give you because this is how this internal conflict makes its way to the surface in us. It's inside of, you're dealing with something. We're talking about jealousy today. This can go and be applied to a lot of different conflicts in your life. So maybe you need to take this and just apply it to something else. But this works specifically in jealousy and that's what James is going to get to in a minute. It gets in there and we're sloshing it around. But here's the thing. When we bump into somebody else, what happens? Splash. Why is it that the people that we tend to hurt the most often are the people that we love the most? I have a theory. Proximity. Because here we are sloshing all day at work. But then you walk into your spouse or your kid or your neighbor at home and splash. It sloshes over the edge and it gets all over them and they're dealing with something too. It gets all over you and next thing you know, it's exploded in your face. There's something internally that gets on the outside. And that's what James is saying here. 
And this is a good Bible verse. Uh, I don't think that we should look to the Bible as just like, like fortune cookies. That's how a lot of times we tend to treat memory verses. Oh, which I had it in here. You know, and we, it's not, it is, it's really good wisdom and you should, but the purpose of scripture is so that we can know God, know the heart of God. It's how he reveals his heart to us and it's how we can form and, and fortify a relationship with him. And so there's more to it than just understanding, oh, this is three steps to a better marriage. It's one step, but it's not even the purpose. The purpose of scripture is that we can know the heart of God and so that we can know that we're known by him. So what is the purpose of this? There's this internal struggle, okay? What is the struggle that threatens the peace of our homes, uh, the, the, the strength of our relationship? What is this struggle? Well, James comes right out and says it. He says, your struggle is you want something, but you don't get it. That's what he's going to say in just a minute. You can read ahead if you want to. We're going to get there. But he said, this is the struggle. This is what's happening. You want something, but you don't get it. Time machine back to 1998, Chris standing in front of my cousin's collection of video games. The struggle began there. And like, if it's dealt with quickly, it goes away. But when it takes root, it causes some problems. Look what he says in verse 2. James 4, verse 2. You desire, but you do not have. So, <laughs> what does he say we do? So you kill. Again, what? No, we don't kill. Ah, do we? Yeah. Eventually, we kill relationships also. We kill opportunities. We kill a lot of things. He says, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. What we're talking about here today is this enemy of the heart, jealousy. And I want you to notice that this verse that we're reading today does not contain the word jealousy. It's not just a proof text to show us, ah, there's a scripture about jealousy. Let's talk about that. No, it contains the heart of jealousy. You want something, but you don't have it. So what do you do? I'm owed something by God. God, you owe me. Slosh, slosh, slosh. And what do we do with those waves as they turmoil inside of us? He says, uh, you want something and you don't have it, so you kill. We've talked about that. He also says you covet it's not a word that we use today in 2018 very often, but it is a good word. Covet is a good word. You see all the time in the Bible, uh, to covet something is to, uh, you really have an overwhelming desire to have something that you don't have. And you could go in a lot of discussion about how deep that word covet goes. Um, it's, it's part of the Old Testament's Ten Commandments. Uh, it's a sin to covet something that your neighbor has. But I've, I've heard some really good teaching on this, that the, the covetous heart is actually at the, the root of every sin. Every single sin in our life could potentially, and I've, I've heard some really good arguments to this effect, could be boiled down to a coveting heart. Think about anything that you do that disobeys, dishonors God. It's because of something that I wish that I could do, wish that I could have, and we do it anyway because of a covetous heart. So he uses that word. It's a great word. He said, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. James is looking beneath the surface. He's looking into the heart, our desires, these hungers that we have, like a hunger for food, but it's a hunger that can never be quenched. If 1988 Chris had gotten all those video games, guess what I would have wanted in 1989? <laughs> in fact, I don't want any of those video games anymore. I'm pumped. My son just ordered a PS4 this weekend with money that he worked hard to earn. And I had to, as a dad, be like, I don't know, I'm going to make wise decisions. And secretly, I'm like, sweet. 
Sweet. Blu-ray player. I don't even have one. Sweet. There's always something more that we want. It's, the covetous heart can never be satisfied. So what do we do with these desires that can never be satisfied? Well, James has a simple and profound, but man difficult response. This is what he suggests. Verse, back to verse 2, the second half, part B. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And immediately, some of us, myself included, are like, uh-uh, I did ask God. I prayed about it for a really long time. Yes, we should pray. And Jesus himself says, you should ask the Father for anything. And so we, we should pray. But there's more to it than that because it's kind of this idea of like, okay, you're asking, but are you listening? <laughs> are you listening? Um, usually, we try to pray, but it's not entirely what James is talking about here. He's not just saying, well, just ask, 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 ask. God is not the cosmic Santa Claus there to grant our every wish. What would it look like if God actually gave us everything we asked for? I'd say what it would look like. It would be a hot mess. I think it was fifth grade. I fell in love with this little girl in my class. And I'm not going to lie to you. I prayed that she would like me back. I did. She did not. If you wanted to know. But you know what? What if he had answered that prayer? I, I, I play it forward, and that wasn't the relationship I needed to be in. She's married to a great guy now. I'm married to a wonderful woman. That's, that wasn't God's plan for me, and I, but I wanted it. And I was jealous when she had other boyfriends. And you fill that in with any scenario that you can think about in your life. What do we do when we've got these unfulfilled desires in our life and we can't meet them? Well, often we take it out on other people, but guess what they can't do? They, they can't do jack. Nobody's going to give me a go-kart, even if I ask real nice or throw a temper tantrum. Like, I'm not going to get everything that I want. God is the only source that can fulfill us. So what do we do with these unmet needs? What do we do with these, un, not needs, these unmet desires? He says, well, you don't have because you don't ask the Father. Um, the Hebrew writer says it this way. Let us approach, this is uh, Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. He says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. We are told that we can approach God's throne, that we can ask him for anything. Again, that's something that Jesus actually said. And jealousy said, God owes me. And you know what God says? Okay, tell me about that. Tell me about what I owe you. Tell me about what you want from me. I want to hear it. And he's not saying sarcastically. He's not saying it with tongue in cheek. He's just seriously, what are the desires of your heart? Tell me. Don't take it out on those people. Tell me about it. And something awesome happens, okay? Something awesome happens when we will take even our unmet needs to God, our unfiltered, unhiltered, unhindered, I'm mad at you, God, request to him. Something awesome happens. And it's not that we get everything that we ask for. That's not. This is what a thing that happens that's awesome. Our relationships with people improve <laughs> because we start putting the expectation on them. We start being a sourpuss about everything. We start stop stomping around going, life's not fair. We start to realize, that's right, but who promised me life was going to be fair? Where did I pick that idea up? No one ever has promised that except for a liar. That's the only person that will promise that because life simply isn't fair. And, and James goes on in his teaching in verse 3. He says, when you ask, you do not receive 
because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. He's like, if your motives are just to get what you want, then you're asking with the wrong motive. What should our motives be when we ask, talk to God? Um, I don't know completely. I'll be completely honest about that. But here's a really good one that I try to try hard to do. We want to ask with God's will in mind. God, what, what, is, what is best for you? Not what's best for me. What's best for you? You're the creator. What would bring you the most glory, the most honor, the most praise? He said, you don't ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Oh, no, no, but if I got a PS4, like I would, use, like, I would totally, I would play Fortnite, but it would be like for evangelism. Because see, some people on the internet, they don't know about God. And so I'm going to, like, we can't just work God to our own methods. We say, God, I want to ask with your will in mind. James tells us to take our desires to God. And that also, that's awesome. But he also says, you know, God says no sometimes. And I'm thankful for that. Because if God didn't always say no, that would be too many little girls with too many ponies. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things we just don't need. And God knows what we need. God loves us too much to give us everything that we ask for. (laughs) Because he knows what we need. But this is huge. He still wants us to ask. He wants us to go to him with the sloshing and the splashing and go to him. And not bumping it into everyone else and trying to take it out on everyone else. But go to him and say, listen, I feel like life's not fair. I feel like maybe you owe me this. And if we get the perspective of understanding who God is in this world, I'm going to tell you, it starts to shift. And we start to realize, you know what? I don't need that. Or maybe it's like, you know what? I still kind of want that, but I can be patient. But God, I'm I'm on your time. I'm on your schedule. I'm in your will. The alternative is that we try to expect it from the world around us. And I don't know where you've been, if you think that's the case, that we have to do that, we should do that, but the world can't deliver. It will always leave us wanting more. Um, jealousy is an enemy of the heart, and, uh, and it says, God, you owe me. And every week during the series, we've been looking at a prescription for rooting out that problem. So with each week, we've had a different prescription. And this week, I love this one, it's kind of painful to hear, but it's real good. How do we root out jealousy in our heart? This is the prescription. We got to learn to celebrate others. Not just the people we like either. Like we've got to learn to celebrate others. Did it ever occur to you that maybe God wanted good things for other people too? And you wanted that. You're glad for them. But instead of being like, ah, good for you, but uh, you go, okay, I'm going to take that to God later. But right now, let's just... Wow, I'm really happy for you. A jealous heart is focused on me. We get so fixated on what I want, what I don't have, what I wish I had, what I think I need. But that's not at all what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to a life that's about others. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. This is in Romans chapter 12, 9 through 16. This is just a reminder of what it means to focus on others. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, but patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. 
Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is all about other people. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Notice he said that two times in a row. If you're a parent, you get why he did that. (laughs) Rejoice with those who rejoice. Celebrate others. Mourn with those who mourn. Some people have bad days that aren't you. Let's go be with them during that time. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. The heart that has been changed by Jesus, the heart that has rooted out all of these enemies, and they're still in there trying to wiggle their way in. They come in every day. And we get busy blaming it on the devil all the time. But you know what? It comes from our own desires that wage war within us. The heart that's been changed by Jesus can look at someone else and say, good for you. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely excited for you. Or what are you going through? What can I help you through? How can I celebrate you? How can I mourn with you? How can I walk through life with you? And to guard our hearts against jealousy, we've got to learn to celebrate others. And this is key. We've got to celebrate even the things that we envy. And it's hard. Going out of my way to congratulate somebody over their accomplishments, celebrating their success. And when we do that, it helps us conquer the emotion of jealousy that can control us. Are we supposed to celebrate even if we're not feeling it 100%? Like, what if I'm totally not feeling celebrated? Yes. Yes, and guess what? This is crazy. The more we do it, the better we'll get at it. Celebration is a, a learned trait that you do get better at. And so you, you might start out celebrating not being 100% into it, but just knowing, like, it's, yeah, this is their thing. I need to be pumped for them right now. What do I do with the mess that's unresolved, that's unmet, that's unfed? I'll take that to God. I take that to God. And I celebrate others. The sloshing reduces dramatically. We begin to focus on God's will for our life. And then something happens in our heart. We've got room now. We've got room to honor God with our whole heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. I never... uh, Got that stack of video games. <laughs> I got some other cool stuff. It was neat. Never got the gold Zelda, though. <sighs> but you know what? I don't even want it anymore because my Nintendo's broken. <laughs> the things that we fix our hearts on are temporary. But God's got something eternal for us. He's got a relationship with him. And we need to purge the enemies of our heart that keep that from happening. Whether it's guilt or anger or greed or jealousy, we've only covered four. But there are many many more that might be holding you down. And when we free up that space in our heart, we can devote our whole heart to living for the maker. And we find that he doesn't owe us anything, but he's given us everything. And for that, we can celebrate. Let's pray. God, you're good, and uh, help me to remember to celebrate others. Um, When I get frustrated about different things in my life that I wish were different, uh, they can come out in a lot of different ways, and greed and anger are two that come to mind for me that we talked about the last two weeks. But 
Jealousy is just a cousin that <laughs> leads to all those other emotions. Father, help us to know that you are good and you do give us only good gifts because you're our Father and you give us what we need to survive. You give us what we need to thrive and help us live in that and love it. Thank you, Lord, for your love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.